Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 5th of December, and my name is Helen Freer. On this morning's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with John T. Warris. And I'm also joined this morning by Manuel Villegas. After the rally we saw in Bitcoin yesterday, I'll be asking Manuel if this is sustainable. But let's start with a roundup of the latest market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. So a relatively quiet day on the economic data front yesterday, but we did see a couple of data prints, one of which was the US factory orders for October. What did this data show? Yes, that's right. Well, yesterday we saw new orders for goods made in the US fall by more than expected in October, marking the biggest monthly drop in about three and a half years. Factory orders fell by 3.6% after a downwardly revised 2.3% in September and a bigger drop than the forecast 2.8%. The main drivers behind this uh, fall were the weakening demand for durable goods and transportation equipment. And this data bolsters the view that high interest rates are beginning to bite into spending. Okay, um, and why is this significant then? Well, the manufacturing sector accounts for over 11% of the US economy as a whole. And given that the sector is increasingly feeling the strain of higher interest rates, I suppose that this adds to signs that the US economy looks set to slow in the fourth quarter. So how did markets fare in the US then in yesterday's trading session? US stock market slipped yesterday with investors questioning if markets climbed too fast too soon following five straight weeks of gains. The Dow Jones closed around flat 0.1% lower at the market close while the Nasdaq dropped 1% amid a sell-off in big tech stocks. And the S&P 500 closed half a percent lower with outperformers in real estate and healthcare while materials, tech and telecoms stocks detracted from returns. And what about commodities? What did we see there? Yeah, we saw the oil price steady yesterday after three days of losses as Saudi Arabia said that recent cuts by OPEC Plus would be honoured in full and could be extended. And gold also rebounded yesterday after it initially touched a fresh record high. Moving over to Europe now, we saw Swiss inflation numbers out yesterday, which showed that inflation in the country slowed unexpectedly, right? That's right, yes. Consumer prices in Switzerland rose 1.4% in November from a year earlier, the weakest since uh, October 2021 and lower than the expectations of 1.7%. The drop here was driven lower by costs for hotels, package holidays, fuel and fresh fruit and vegetables. And Switzerland may be a high price island when it comes to the cost of food, but despite food prices rising globally, it has proved largely immune to this trend compared to other countries. Average annual inflation in Switzerland reached just 2.8% in 2022, compared to over 9% for the EU. And this latest slowing in inflation adds to the case for the Swiss National Bank to keep borrowing costs steady and pause rates when they meet next week. Okay, now moving over to Asia, I see we had CPI core inflation data out of Japan overnight and PMI Kaishin services data out of China. Can you fill us in on the details here? Yeah, that's right, Helen. Data out of Tokyo overnight showed that the uh, CPI inflation there rose by 2.3% in November. The Tokyo reading is considered a leading indicator of nationwide trends, and with the core inflation figure slowing from the previous month, this is an encouraging sign that cost pressure in the world's third largest economy is easing, and also further supports the Bank of Japan's view. And after initially whipsawing on the news, the Japanese yen has since steadied us around 147 on the dollar cross when I checked a moment ago. And elsewhere, you mentioned it before, uh, China's services activity expanded uh, at a quicker pace in November, 
as the upturn in new businesses was the best in three months amid reports of firmer market conditions. Okay, and is there any other news out of Asia that you'd highlight this morning? Yeah, perhaps just briefly, we saw the Reserve Bank of Australia make its latest rate announcement overnight, where it opted to keep rates steady at 4.35. This was in line with market expectations for a hold in rates. The Aussie dollar lost some ground against the US dollar on the news, and the RBA's accompanying comments on inflation suggested a rather dovish tilt. And how are markets in Asia digesting this data today then? Well, not great. Markets are down across Asia, with mainland Chinese indices down over 1%. The Nikkei is 1.4% lower, while the Kosdaq and the Hanseng are down by around 1.8%. The only buck to the trend here seems to be India, with the Indian benchmark indices trading higher today, opening at fresh record highs for a second session in a row, boosted by strong macroeconomic data and news that the country's ruling party has won key state elections. Okay, and perhaps lastly, Jonti, what can investors expect for the day ahead? Today, we can expect to see producer price index and services PMI data out for the Eurozone, along with ISM services index data and job openings in the US later this afternoon. And the Futures Board shows that US equities are set for a negative open in the red later today. And that's it from me for today, Helen. Very good. Thank you, Jonti, for the great roundup this morning. Thanks for having me. Now, Manuel, over to you. Good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So, Bitcoin rallied yesterday and actually reached a price of more than $42,000. What would you put this down to? What were the triggers for this latest rally, do you think? Absolutely, Helen. So, I I think there's a number of factors behind the behemoth 150% year-to-date rally that the largest digital asset has displayed. And I think it is a combination of the growing expectations of a rapid reversal in U.S. monetary policy, the very high open interest, which has a call options queue, a very likely launch of the physically backed Bitcoin ETFs in the U.S., and over $320 million in liquidations of short positions over the weekend. Overall, you know, Deribit, which is the largest Bitcoin options exchange, registered an open interest above 13.3 billion across all expiration dates with a put call ratio of 0.44, highlighting these aforementioned skew towards the bulls. In that regard, 40,000 had been a key level to watch, causing major position squaring by traders. At the same time, Binance's official exit from the US has undoubtedly impacted spot liquidity. As of late, the lack of market death has played out positively for prices. Nonetheless, order books are frail in both directions. Growing expectations of a rapid reversal in U.S. monetary policy have been providing tailwinds. And should U.S. liquidity continue to increase, we could see Bitcoin in a good positioning. On the approval of the spot ETF in the U.S., speculation looms large. And despite the general market bias towards an approval by the 10th of January, there are no guarantees. Overall, an ETF approval would certainly be well favored by investors, given the lack of U.S. investment vehicles that accurately track spot prices. Nonetheless, given the strength of the rally, it should not be a surprise if we end up in a situation where the market has bought the rumor and sells the fact. Okay, so you've talked about quite a few um, points there. Are these factors sustainable, though? So I, I think some of these are. And looking forward, we see the most important role falling in miners' hands. 
as Bitcoin's upcoming halving expected by the end of April of next year is likely to revamp these cohorts in the broader crypto markets. In simple terms, the halving consists in the block reward decreasing from 6.25 Bitcoins to 3.125 Bitcoins. And this will essentially waterfall into a deceleration Bitcoin supply growth. Miners are the only source of new Bitcoins, and if their profitability continues to increase in line with prices, they will be more reluctant to sell Bitcoins on the open market to cover their fiat-based costs. And this would undoubtedly further pressure market death, which amidst the increased accumulation could derive in the supply squeeze we've been talking about for the past couple of months. All in all, we see a very sound fundamental backdrop for Bitcoin and believe that prices are well supported around current levels and there is further upside potential. That said, bullishness is back in the market, suggesting that any negative news or disappointment of current expectations could cause a consolidation. Okay, thanks very much, Manuel, for the update. Thank you, Helen. And that is all for today. So thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette Anderko will be your host and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.